Welcome to Solid Games. It's October 29th, and this is episode 5. This episode's intro music was from Metroid Prime. Metroid Prime is simply had some of the best music I've ever heard in a game. It's one of the few soundtracks I would actually listen to outside of the game. It was that good. So I hope you enjoyed that. On to our reviews. Okay, the first review is Fear which stands for First Encounter Assault Recon. Fear is a a new first-person shooter for the PC, and you're going to need a pretty high-end PC to run this thing, Uh, much like, let's say, Doom 3 or Half-Life 2. It's uh, more of a military uh, type of shooter, military weapons. It's not uh, futuristic or, um, you know, there's not monsters or things like that, but it does uh, use... A sort of horror element to it. It has that, you know, ring, uh, ringu feel to it, which is the, the Japanese horror genre, and they try to incorporate that into the game. And they've done, they've done a pretty good job. Uh, you know, it's it's hit and miss, but you know, you get the you get that creepy um, Japanese horror feeling. You know, when you're playing the game, so you know they succeeded on some level. It's um, the story's a little generic though. It's sort of your classic super soldier generic uh genetic excuse me genetic experiment gone wrong kind of story um my first impressions of the game were that it's uh the graphics are really good uh particle effects are amazing there is a slow motion um component to the gameplay you know much like the matrix effect uh, max Payne, and they've done it in this game very well it's not it Boy, it's hard to describe, but in the Matrix, you know, where you have the slow motion and you can actually see bullet trailers and the ripples in the air and just particles moving really slow. They do all that in this game, and it just looks incredible, and it's just a lot of fun to watch. Um, the other thing was the, the game weapons felt really good. Um, they had a very tactile feel. You really feel like you're wielding uh, some powerful weapons, uh, so that that component was really good. So the gameplay takes place in sort of an office complex where you'll be fighting, you know, tons of uh, uh, super soldier type enemies, some shielded enemies, some not shielded, uh, different levels. The variety is a little weak um, because there's this, this is not a monster story and it all takes place sort of in one uh, office complex. The, the environment does tend to get a bit old by the time you've played the game for its, let's say, 15 hours. It's, it's it's pretty long, actually. I don't know about 15 hours, but, you know, I, I usually take my time. So that's about how long it took me to finish it. Uh, the enemy AI is is, is pretty good. Uh, it's, it's definitely as good as uh, Half-Life 2's enemy AI, so I, I think that's pretty high praise. You know, enemies will take cover, and they will definitely flank you, and you can't just run and gun. This, you know, running out into the open is, is suicide in this game. You need to take your time and go around corners and use the um, 
matrix effect. Uh, they call it, I don't know what they call it. I don't call it anything in this game, but it's, you know, the slow motion effect. You need to use that to your advantage. And you only have anywhere from, you know, five to 20 seconds of it, you know, depending on how much you've built up. So one of the gameplay elements is definitely keeping track of that slow motion and how much you have left. Uh, certain enemies are so fast and um, that you just have to use it. Uh, the weapons were uh, varied. Uh, there was about, boy, let's see, I'd say about eight weapons, um, if I had to guess. And I only, there was probably a couple I didn't use much, but most of them I used, and they were real, they were a lot of fun. And they, like I said, they had a great feel to them. So overall, you know, the, uh, the gameplay, I think they nailed it. It's just a, a lot of fun. The, the fighting enemies and, and the fact that it's not a breeze, you don't just walk through it, you know, it creates a very tense uh, game. So the areas that uh, maybe were not as good uh, was the, the Japanese horror backstory was, it was okay. Like it seemed like it had, had a backstory, but they didn't really expose much of the story, uh, particularly, you know, early on through most of the game. And then towards the end of the game, they kind of threw a lot of stuff at you. So I felt like the story, although it was, you know, stylish, very stylish, it just uh, was underdeveloped. Um, but I liked it, and, and I thought they could have done more, a lot more with it. Uh, the other drawback is that to really appreciate this game, you, you will need a high-end PC, and I'm talking 2 gig plus, um, you know, 256 meg graphics card. Now, that's not to say it won't play on a lower-end system. It's just that uh, to really enjoy this game to its fullest, you're going to need a fairly high-end system. The uh, the other kind of drawback to this game was definitely the variety of the environments and uh, of the goals that you're going to have during the game. They actually have a goal system, you know, display which says you know what you're supposed to do next. And uh, strangely enough, the major goal in the game, I, I think it changed once. <laughs> there were minor goals and you know some other things, but the, the major goal was you know find this guy, and then you you know every time you brought up that screen. It was, you know, you got to find this guy. And I'm like, is this ever going to change? And it pretty much didn't. So while the uh, graphics and the gameplay were pretty uh, pretty excellent, the story and uh, variety of the gameplay and the environments that you're in were pretty weak. Um, you know, to sum up, I'd say if you enjoy these recent high-end first-person shooters like uh, Half-Life 2, uh, Doom 3, certainly, uh, I think this uh, would, I would recommend this game. The next game I'm going to be uh, reviewing is Indigo Prophecy, also called Fahrenheit. Uh, you can call this game, you know, either, but uh, either way, it's a pretty good game. This game is like a graphic adventure, sort of like Siberia or Phantasmagoria, the old, the old PC uh, graphic adventures. Um, basically, what that means is that the game is mostly driven by story and just the presentation of that story. The good news is that while it's, it's just a graphic adventure, it doesn't take the classic approach to uh, graphic adventures, which is where you simply just walk around and pick up items, and, and there's a lot of reading and talking, but there's, there's no action, and they're not, they're not what I would call cinematic. This game takes, that, uh, takes a different approach in that it's third-person, real 3D, and there is action. The action in the game takes place uh, whenever a story kind of fork in the road is presented to you. You will have to play this little mini game 
which involves moving both thumbsticks around and uh, following the lead of the, the graphics on the screen. It's a pretty simple little mini game, um, and you'd think it would get boring. And I guess by the end of the game, maybe it does a little bit. But for most of the game, it's it's kind of fun uh, because they they changed it up a little bit. It's not the exact same patterns, and it's not the exact same. Uh, it's not just the joysticks. You do use the triggers sometimes. So after one of each of these mini games conclude, uh, your path will be depended um, based on how well you did. Sometimes the game will uh, actually end if you fail to do the mini game. Other times you'll will make just a different decision. Um, different things will occur. Uh, another cool element is that. You don't play as a single character through the entire game. You actually play as two different detectives um, and the accused, and uh, a friend, uh, I'm sorry, the brother of the accused, um, for periods of time through the game. And, you know, that makes it a lot more interesting than just, just playing the one character throughout the entire game. As an example of this decision-making, um, the game opens with you actually uh, committing a murder. Um, and I would say that's a spoiler, but if you read anything about this game, you know, they're going to have to give you one example. And this is the example they give out. Basically, you know, you find yourself in a, re a restaurant restroom and you, you're kind of in sort of a, a daze or a stupor and you see yourself sort of doing these things, although you don't seem very conscious of it. And at the end of that scene, some, uh, mini game starts, uh, and it's sort of, it gives you a certain amount of time to figure out what you're going to do next. And some of the choices are, you know, you can just run. You, you just run out of the, the restroom, out of the restaurant, and into the street. You can stay there and try to cover up what you did. You can stay there and, and kind of search around the scene and, and see what things you can interact with. If you do decide to try to stay and cover up your actions, um, they will cut to, to another scene. They open up another panel in the display sort of like in the style of 24, the TV show. And it will show the uh, police officer who is actually in the restaurant getting up and heading towards the restroom. Of course, this is done to to ratchet up the tension and and uh, there's good music in the background when this is happening, a lot, of, a lot of musical cues, much like, you know, a movie. And it's all done really well. And I had, I had a lot of fun um, kind of experiencing this game. So the, what are the drawbacks of this game? Well, it's not that long. Um, you can finish it if you just go through one path of the game and kind of just make your decisions and move forward. It's probably going to only take about eight hours. So while, you know, for $50, it might make a really good rental, but it may not make a great purchase. Um, the other negative is, you know, perhaps, you know, the graphics aren't anything, you know, it's not going to win any awards. They're, they're good, but... Um, you know, they don't look, certainly don't look uh, anywhere near as good as some of the current games that you're going to see. But honestly, because the focus is story, the graphics, as long as they're, you know, smooth and, you know, they showing you the characters, and, and the characters look pretty good, uh, it's doing a good job. So uh, not a big negative. Uh, so mostly just the length, and, uh, you know, if you like the style of game, I think you're going to enjoy this game. So uh, people who are just all about hardcore action and fast pace are pr probably not going to like this game. It's, it's a pure, you know, adventure game, mostly story-driven. But if you like a more story-driven adventure game, uh, and, and that's more your speed, you should definitely give Indigo Prophecy a rent. 
I just have to say, I've been playing some pretty good games lately, and all the ones I'm reviewing this week are all, you know, just great experiences, and uh, I could easily recommend any of them, particularly this this final game I'm going to review called Shadow of the Colossus. Shadow of the Colossus was developed by the same group that did uh, ICO, I-C-O, for the PlayStation 2, and you know, if you're familiar with that game and you see Shadow, Shadow of the Colossus, you will immediately recognize it because it has such a you know unique graphic style that's very cinematic and um, you know it's it's just it's sort of a signature of that game and it's certainly a signature of this game. The gameplay, however, in Shadow of the Colossus is quite different from you know most any game that you've played. Basically, you play as a warrior, and you're trying to revive um, this uh, young woman that you have brought to the shrine uh, back to life. And because the game introduction will explain to you why you think this is possible, um, you are tasked to deal with 16 colossi. Colossi are these you know, incredibly large creatures the Colossi are all very huge creatures that range from, oh, I'd say, I don't know, maybe what's relative to your character, uh, twice your character's height, uh, maybe not twice, maybe like three or four times your character's height, all the way up to hundreds of times your character's height. And the scale, uh, so and so some of the largest ones, the scale is just incredible. And the, the presentation of these uh, boss fights is is really uh, an experience to to watch and to play through. Um, there's sort of three components to each boss fight. The, the first component is you have to figure out, first of all, where they are. And to do that, you have to travel through a fairly large uh, landscape. Um, although that's not very hard because the game will give you a sword that you basically simply just hold up and it sort of points the way to the claw side. Now, it won't tell you exactly how to get there, but it will tell you pretty much where they are. And you ride on your horse, um, and that's a big component of the game. You've got a ho- your companion to the entire game is a horse, Argo, and you use the horse to travel you know, to the, the large distances, because without the horse, it would, be, it would take too long. Uh, that's how big the game is. You, you, couldn't, you wouldn't want to walk across the landscape. So... You go off and find one of the colossi, and then uh, once you get close enough, uh, basically a, a cutscene will ensue, and that's the beginning of the boss fight. And now your task is to get first get onto the colossi, and then find uh, one or two weak points on the colossi, and stab the colossi with your sword. So not only do these boss fights look incredible because of just the grand scale and the way the camera is used to show you that scale, uh, each boss fight involves a little bit of platforming, a little bit of action, and a little bit of puzzle solving. And it's all combined into this one boss fight. Um, The puzzle solving elements are there basically because you're not sure, like I said, how to reach the spots that you need to get to. And it, there's only certain places you can grab onto the claw side. They have like a fur that you can grab on, and, they ha- and actually some of them have sort of, I don't know, it looks like stone cliffs kind of built into their bodies that you can actually climb up and stand on, things like that. So you have to figure out uh, how to get there. And then once you get there, it, it becomes basically, you know, you have to stab the claw side, 
but you have to keep holding on to. So there's a, there's a mechanism of, you know, balance and, and making sure you don't get thrown off. Um, not, not, not too hard. And once you figure it out, they're, they're fairly easy to take down, but you do have to figure them out and you do have to have a little bit of skill in just getting there and staying there. So despite the fact that, you know, 16 boss fights is really the entire game, or at least most of it, it's, uh, each, each one is, is very unique and, uh, offers a different puzzle and, you know, it's very addictive in the sense that as soon as you finish one, you know, you're like, well, I wonder what the next one's like. And you want to go out and finish the next one. And while there's no multiplayer in Shadow, um, it's almost as much fun to watch this game as to play it because it's just incredibly cinematic and very unique. Uh, so it's hard to really, you know, describe this game, but, uh, in the end I had a great time playing it. It has some amazing cinematic, uh, graphics and an amazing scale. The, the biggest negative to Shadow of the Colossus is, uh, basically on a PlayStation 2 on today's hardware, um, the game, because of what it's trying to present, uh, there is no way that the controls are going to be as tight as they could have been. Uh, so the, the controls do lag a bit, and it takes a little while to get used to. Um, and usually lag in a game will, will be a, you know, a really bad point for me. But uh, I put up with it, and I, I think it was worth putting up with because, um, you get first of all, you get used to it. And second of all, there's not, like I said, there's not a lot of fast action. You're, you're mostly climbing and holding on. And so latency and in the controls don't really kill it. Um, also, you know, when you're riding the horse, the latency actually makes a little bit of sense. Um, if you look at it in the sense that a horse doesn't follow your commands immediately, so neither would the horse in the game. So, you know, you can kind of justify it at least then, but there are times when it, it gets in your way a little bit. Um, the other thing that gets in your way is the camera, which like all third person games, uh, can be troublesome at times. Uh, but I didn't find it too bad. There was a few boss, there was like two out of the 16 Colossus, I, I'd say during two of them, I got a little annoyed at the camera because it tends to swing around you when you don't want it to, uh, particularly if you have to use the bow. That's, that's one thing I, I really didn't like. Um, but you don't need the bow all that often, so it's not a big deal. And like I said, you get used to it. So overall, this is just another exceptional game. And, um, a lot like Indigo Prophecy, it's not that long. This one is a little long, and it depends how long it takes you for each Colossus, but this one's more of a 10 to 12 hour experience, I think. But the game is just a, a great experience, and once again, I think it's an absolute uh, rent, certainly. Um, and for many people, it'll be worth a purchase because they will want to play it multiple times. Um, it's certainly that good, and uh, it's that much fun to watch and uh, that much fun to play. <laughs> If you'd like to contact Solid Games and get your questions and thoughts read over the podcast, please drop us a line, solidgames at gmail.com. Okay, we have uh, one listener email for this episode, and it's from Mastermind. Uh, Mastermind asks, why haven't you been focusing on anything else besides the Xbox 360? Sorry to say, but I'm sick of it. I would like to hear something about the PlayStation 3 and Revolution. Plus, you, really, you guys really need to know about the console's past so you can compare them to the future. Well, thank you for your email, Mastermind. Um, I'd just like to say that uh, 
Yeah, it's true that solid games will not be looking uh, to the past of console games. We're more about uh, the future, looking forward, and, and the next generation. So we're not going to cover too much of uh, the console's history. Um, it's true that I wasn't a console gamer until, you know, I'd say fairly recently in the past few years, um, but I was a PC gamer and a computer gamer for many years before that. And Jeremy certainly has his experience with uh, all of the consoles from the past few years. And of course, as far as the Xbox 360 coverage uh, being most of the coverage, well, yeah, uh, that's pr pretty much true. And, uh, you know, I addressed that in the last episode, and it's simply because there's a lot more Xbox 360 news and things to cover because the release is just a few weeks away. But uh, we'll definitely be covering more PS3 and Nintendo Revolution as more information and more news comes about them. But really, since E3, there hasn't been that much new news on those consoles. There's been some new cinematics and new things shown, but, but not a lot of real new news. You can also contact Solid Games using Gizmo. Our Gizmo phone ID is Solid Games. So that's all the gaming reviews I have for this week, episode 5 of Solid Games. Solid Games.